Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever noticed, perhaps even been overwhelmed at the incredible detail of the work of God? While God is so powerful He can build a universe, He is also so detailed that you were very carefully designed. In Psalm 8, this very fact overwhelms David. David realizes that although the stars will be in the sky an extremely long time, that God is more interested in his short journey here on earth. That would include not only David, but you as well. Today, we get an incredible insight into just how much God cares about you and the details of your life. Here's Pastor Jim in part two of his message, The Majesty of Our Lord. Knowing we, David's like, I'm weak, but God is strengthening me. I'm going to praise him. Paul says, I'm weak, but God is strengthening me. I'm going to praise him. And so there is power in weakness for the follower of Jesus. And when we praise God, think about this, that praise is a powerful weapon, a powerful weapon from heaven. I've said this to you many times before. First time I ever went to a church like ours. I'd grown up in church, and I'd seen the people kind of mouthing the songs or barely singing, or, you know, the lady would be playing the organ, and, you know, one person would be kind of singing off-key up on the, up on the you know, balcony or something like that. But then I went to this church, and people were singing. They were singing songs of joy and majesty to their God and to their King. I'm telling you, man, I was looking around like, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, listen, you do this and people see you praising and hear the word of God and they will fall down in repentance. That's how revival happens. And here's the interesting thing about praise. It's something every follower of Jesus can do. It's something you can do. It's something I can do. You don't have to have any special gifting or talent or something like that. You know, different gifts there are in the Bible. You don't have to have any of that. Every single one of us can praise the Lord. And I might be stepping out on a limb here, but I think, it's, I think it's fair to say that according to Jesus, joyless, lacking passion, self-centered, toned down, I don't mean soft singing, I mean because you really don't want it, you're not that into it, that kind of worship is wrong. It's just wrong. It's too self-centered. It's not God-directed. David would be like, come on, let's get with it. Praise the Lord. Ultimately, no one, no one can extinguish God's glory in heaven and on earth. And this is one thing that we should always remember. Whenever you hold a little baby, and I know some of you just had some. I had them, right? Whenever you hold a little baby, remember this. The sound of that baby reminds you that God's plan is still marching on. The fact that we keep populating and we keep going, that we are moving towards that, the end time, towards God's plan. You say, marches on towards what? Well, did you forget already what our good friend Habakkuk told us? Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see, each little baby that comes that we pray over to become followers of Jesus Christ reminds us 
that the plan is in motion and the plan is moving forward. Verse 3, David writes, when I consider, very important, he personalizes it, when I, when I think about this, when I, when I look at this, I'm not, just, I'm not just looking at the stars, I'm, I'm thinking about this. When I consider your heavens, and he's probably talking about the stars he's thinking of, the work of your fingers. I mean, that's cool. We'll talk about that in a second. It's, it's not the work of his hands. It's the work of his fingers. The, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, or, or some verses say which you have set in place. Now, verse 4 is a very, very popular verse, probably on your happy calendars uh, or maybe on your refrigerator, something like that. But I believe it's, it's often misunderstood, and it depends upon how you read it, but we have to read it in context, not just in and of itself. We're going to read it twice. He says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? So he says, What is man that you are mindful of him? Perhaps on a night, looking up at the stars, thinking, who, who am I, Lord? Who am I? Who, who, who are we that we would have any purpose or any meaning in this vast universe? And the Son of Man, a name for humanity, that you would visit him. Another version puts it this way. What are mortals that you care for them? So, so David's kind of like, I'm looking up, I'm seeing the vastness of all this. And yet here I am, I'm just looking up, and I know you. I know you personally. What, what, what is that? Now, see, a lot of times people read this verse and they're thinking God is like, well, why do you care about us? I don't think that's what it means. In verse 3, David sees and considers the moon and the stars and without a telescope, he is amazed with the grandeur of it. Interesting, he doesn't use the word hand. He uses the word fingers, pointing, even looking up at the stars, pointing at the incredible artistic detail of God. Like God was like, oh, I'll put this star here. And I'll put that one there. Oh, I'll move that one over there. Just so carefully doing it. And then David, of course, being a shepherd, being like all of us who take notice of the stars, he notices that the stars appear at night, disappear during the day, only to return again the next night, and the cycle continues to repeat itself. And so he seems to conclude that not only um, did God create the cosmos, not only are the cosmos God created, but they're also God directed. Like he is directing the movement of everything that's going on. You know, he doesn't need to know about how the, how the earth moves and the stars are there and all that. He doesn't need, he's like, everything is just moving. It comes and it goes. God's directing it and he's overwhelmed. Now, again, as David is humbly pondering his own insignificance in light of the enormity of of the solar system that he can see, many think he's saying, why do you care about us? Why do you care about us? But in the context of Psalm 8, I don't think that's what he's saying. 
I think that what David is having right now in, in realizing that the stars are so massive and that he's just little old him, known by God and knows his creator, I think he's suffering from what we call today data, a data overload. There's just too much information coming in. He, he's in wonder. He can't believe it. He's full of confusion and wonder. This is, this is off the charts joy, what he's saying. This is off the charts praise. I think that he is looking up at the sky and he cries out, looking at all of this, and he cries out in abundant faith and abundant joy, what is man that you are mindful of him? In other words, how can you be so good that you could care so intimately about me? How could you be the one who runs an entire universe? Everything's moving around. Look at everything up there. And yet, you know my hopes. You know my dreams. You know my fears. You know my heartache. And you know me. And you've allowed me the opportunity to know you. It's like he's saying, Lord, listen, <laughs> when I was a little kid, my dad taught me about the stars and he learned about it from his dad who learned about it from his dad who learned about it from his dad. They're going to be there for years and years. And yet you care about me and everyone else on this little planet we're on. He doesn't know it's little. You care about our short journey on earth. Those stars, they may be there forever and ever, but you care about our little journey on earth. Although he's not sure why, David knows that he, David knows that you, David knows that me matter to God. And so when he says, what is man that you are mindful to me, I believe with all of my heart, this is complete out of breath praise. He's, he's, he's bursting. He is bursting I can't believe this. It is almost too good to be true. It's also, friends, an incredible lesson on the grace of God. There is nothing. I don't care if you're an astronaut in a spaceship. There is nothing that anyone can do that can make them stand out in the galaxy. And yet God sees you. That's all the grace of God. There's no other answer for it. This should give us a, a, a sense of our great worth to God. I mean, we see it in Jesus dying on the cross. We see it in, 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 in the creation that despite the, the enormity of the creation, they keep finding more and more things that God knows who we are. And while it does give us a sense of our great worth to God, at the same time, it should undo our sense of self-importance. It should remind us of the great care that God has for us, of the great plan of God he has for you, friend, and for me in putting us in the world exactly in the time that he did. Yeah, it might seem rough right now, awful right now, but God knows what he's doing. If you're a follower of Jesus, 
combine this with Jesus dying on the cross in your place for your sins, and it's clear as day, God is invested in you. You matter to him. He is deeply, deeply invested in you, so much so that his son died on the cross for your sins. The night sky reminds us of what we deny much of the day, that this is God's world. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to talk to two young men. They were both 21, and we were hanging out. We hung out for actually for a while, and we were talking. I had just met them, and, and so... Um, we were just talking and talking and talking. They were fishing. I was just asking about the little pond they were fishing in. And, and so, you know, we got to talking about what I did for a job and what they did for a job, and we were going back and forth. And I said to them, you know, one guy's like, I just wondered where, where it all came from. And I said, oh, yeah, well, it's what we call agency. Where, how did it all get here? Where did it all start? We, we're all, I, and he said, you know, nobody really knows, do they? I said, well, you all go back to the beginning, and nobody can really, where does the matter come from? And he goes to me, uh, it kind of makes you want to believe in God. You see, you see here we, we, we see that this is, we look up at the sky at night and we realize this is God's world. Evidence of God is all around us. Yet in many ways, we are like that little baby. We are, we are weak and we are, we are frail. Or in other ways, we're like people who, who live to be over 100 years old and say, man, it all went so quickly. We come and go so quickly before we know it. We're forgotten here on earth. And David calls us the son of man. Jesus called himself that because he entered into our frailty. And Jesus will remember all who have turned to him and put their trust in him. All who have turned away from their self-directed life, just, you know, I'm doing my own thing. I don't really care about God. And now they're like, oh no, there's a lot around me that reminds me of God. I, I want to be right with him. He, Jesus says, if you, if you will turn to me and you put your trust in me, then I will forgive your sins. He'll remember you. When you die, he won't be like, who's that guy? No, because he knows you and you know him. In the Bible, uh, to remember is, it means so different things. Generally, it means that God remembers the promises that he, he made, but it can also mean that God is moving towards you. He will remember you. He remembers you every day, follower of Jesus. When, you, when he moves towards you, when he cares for you, he is deeply concerned for you. Verse five, we get some insight about why he cares about us so much. He said, for you have made him, man, a little lower than the angels. Some versions say heavenly beings. A lot of translations in the literal Hebrew translation is a little less than God. But people change it because they're like, that couldn't be possibly right. But probably having to do with being made in the image of God. And you have crowned him, man, with glory and honor. You have made him, again, man, to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. So God has put all things under our feet. And that would be language to them would be when a king would, would win, a, win a battle, he would put, his, you know, he put the, the enemy king under his foot. Verse 7, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, would be all the animals, the birds of the air, 
and the fish of the sea that pass through the pass of the sea. So what, what happens with all of them? They are, they've, all things have been put under our feet. We are, if you will, the top of the world because we are created in the image of God. So here God tells us a big part of his care for humans. It's the position he gave us to oversee our planet. I'm not going to ask you how you think we're doing on that one. And this goes back to Genesis chapter 1, that God gave us this as human beings. In verse 5, he says that, that we are crowned with glory and honor. That shows us the important position that humanity has here on earth. Because as we said, humans were made in the image of God. Interesting, we are to uh, represent God, not just to other people, but we're to represent God and make uh, known um, to the creation what God is like. And we've said this many times before, the, the Bible writers have incredible insight into God simply because they are Bible readers. It's almost like David is writing here in Psalm 8 and he's sort of alluding to Genesis chapter 1 and kind of saying to us, we're important to God because he said so. And he's been telling us since the very beginning. And so having gazed at the stars, having worshiping the God who sees and the God who cares, the word of God, Genesis 1, the entirety of the word of God opens up David's eyes and his ears. In Luke chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus is teaching and he says this, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Now, how does Jesus know that? Now, some of you are like, Pastor Jim, that's a, that's a softball question. That's easy. He, he knows it because he's God. Okay, fine. I get it. How did he know it when he was 12? Was it because he had read Genesis 1 and Psalm 8? Jesus had to learn the Bible just like we have to. You see, Jesus knows, the Scripture teaches that all that we see was given to man by the grace of God. Despite what many may say, the grace of God is evident in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And we, we cheapen the grace of God when we limit the grace of God to forgiveness only and use it as an excuse to say that sinning is okay because of grace, God's going to forgive me anyway. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, just please do your finger on a chalkboard. That, that would be easier on me than saying that. You see, what God is saying here is when he's given us dominion over the earth, this is the grace of responsibility. God's grace comes with responsibility. Now, a lot of people who say they're Christians, they push back on any kind of responsibility God gives us. They're like, oh, no, there's grace. There's no responsibility. And I'm like, what Bible are you not reading? What, what Old Testament and what New Testament are you not reading? I'm, I'm not sure why you would even want to think that way because the responsibility that God gives us is part of the grace of glory. 
It's part of the grace of honor. It's part of the grace of authority. And this grace is given to us despite the fact that we are sinners. Another reason to praise the Lord. But there's a problem. Did you catch it? Did you see it? Remember, David wrote this. He said, you have put all things, talking about mankind, all things. In other words, it says everything under his feet. In other words, mankind is supposed to rule the whole created order. <laughs> we can't even rule ourselves. We can't even get out of bed on time. But the writer of Hebrews saw this in the New Testament. And he quoted parts of Psalm 8. And he realized that what God had originally intended was not happening. And then he writes this in Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus. It's almost like all of the, the problems that, that we have are, are come together and they're solved in the person of Jesus. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. God became a man and was a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. What is that? That's the gospel invitation. Friend, if you put your trust in Jesus, then Jesus will taste death for you. If you don't, then you will have to taste death yourself. But, but Jesus came. He, he lived a perfect life in your place. You don't have to be perfect. He died a sinner's death on the cross. He died for the punishment for your sins and my sins against a holy God. You and I don't have to be punished by God. And to prove that God was satisfied with it, he rose him from the dead. So Jesus came that he might test, taste death for everyone. Has he tasted it for you? Would you like to change that tonight and never die? He says, but we see Jesus. We, we see the man who beat death and who rose from the dead and who has been crowned with glory and with honor. That's what he said in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. And remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now Jesus, the risen Christ, reigns over the created order and will bring all who put their trust in him to glory. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you will share in his reign for all eternity. So Psalm 8, written a thousand years before Jesus was even born, even looks beyond our own time to the return of Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns, he will make all things new. We won't even recognize anything. And so Psalm 8 then will be more than a song of praise. It will be reality. That's because, friend, Eternal glory awaits all who are followers of Jesus. 
And we will also reign with Jesus, our risen Savior, King. So, what should our response be as a congregation, as a bunch of people together feeding upon God's word, hearing that God is, cares about you in the midst of the entire cosmos, the creator of it all actually knows you, cares for you, sent his son to die for you. What should our reaction as a congregation be? I think it should be for all of us to fall down on our knees and shout out in glorious praise, verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent, how incredibly majestic is your name in all the earth. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.